Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Man, out of the mouth of babes. All right. I am going to forever remember that. Gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. That makes the story a lot more interesting. It really does. Well, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for checking us out. Those of you that are watching online on YouTube or Facebook or listen to it on the podcast, I'm so glad that you're here. And if you're visiting in person, man, I'm so glad that you're with us. This might be your first time at Harbor. It might be your first time ever at any church. Um, welcome. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, not only am I thrilled that you're with us, I'm thrilled that we get to have this conversation because uh, this weekend we're looking at something different. Um, the whole series, Wonder, has been uh, about looking at Christmas through the eyes of a child, hence the decorations and the topics. In the first week, we talked about having childlike faith. And then we talked about childlike fear the next week. And then last week, Pastor Ron brought it uh, when, he, when we talked about having hope like a child. And this week, I'd like to talk about having humility like a child. And I know that sounds weird, but let me remind you of the passage where Jesus kind of introduces this idea of how much kids can teach us. There was a time where Jesus was out teaching and his disciples came to him in Matthew chapter 18. And his disciples come up and they ask him a question and they say, Jesus, master, rabbi, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We want to know who's the top, who's, who's on, the, on the list. And Jesus called a little child to come out in the middle of all these adults standing around asking, vying for position. Jesus calls out a little boy or a little girl and he puts, puts them right there in front in the middle and he says, hey, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like, like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, anyone who becomes as humble as this child, as this little child, that's the greatest. To answer your question, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is anyone who will become as humble as this little child. Now, I've read that passage to you a few weeks ago when we first started this series, and I, I alluded to this idea, but I wanted to come back and really reinforce it this weekend because it's been something uh, that uh, I've been working on and thinking about and praying through for several months. And uh, I, I've been, been kind of like going, God, how would you have our church receive this? And so I think this weekend, if you lean in, uh, it may not be what you want to hear, but I know it's what I needed to hear, and so I'm praying the same thing for you. I want you to focus on that last verse, on verse number four. It says, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child. That's the phrase that Jesus chose to emphasize. And when you think about a child, do you think about humility? Okay, I don't know, maybe you don't. I was... Help, I had my four-year-old helping me make a fire, and we're like crumpling up, crumpling up paper, and I hand him like, hey, you can help dad crumple some paper. I'm doing all the hard work, you know. This kid's just crumpling paper, but he crumples it, and he goes, yeah, dad, I'm the strongest in the whole world. And I went, yes, you're the strongest in the whole world, paper crusher. That's amazing. Children aren't known for their humility, right? I mean, that's just not what they, that's not how they operate. And I mean, maybe you think like, okay, maybe they're they're just very aware or maybe very not aware. I guess they'll wear any clothes that you put them to wear. It doesn't matter if it matches. A kid will get out on the dance floor at a wedding and just, I mean, cut loose. And they don't care how cool they look or what everybody else thinks. So, I mean, what, is, like, what does humility like a child, what does that look like? Why would Jesus use that phrase and how does he want us to learn from it? When I began to just pray over that and go, God, what does it look like to be humble like a child? What I came to was that the thing that children have that they're so good at, that you and I are so bad at, is that they are incredibly teachable. Kids are very teachable. Why? Because they know that they don't know anything. They know they don't know anything. You're the one that had to teach them how to put their clothes on, how to like even buckle their seat. Like if, you, if you're with a kid, any of you that don't have kids, you want to understand this, but I told some, some people that were praying about having a baby, I said, if you can't handle dumb questions, then don't get pregnant. Like, like you need to understand if you're going to be a parent, those kids are just going to ask everything because kids don't know and they're looking to you to give them that feedback. Teach me, educate me. I mean, I buckle and we're, we're on one drive to school. And it's like, Dad, where are we going? Why is the sky blue? How old is that tree? How, how many flavors of ice cream are there? Did you ever meet George Washington? Where do babies come from? <laughs> I mean, the ride to school is like one and a half minutes long. <laughs> 
was like, uh, <laughs> like, we're going to school. There's light shining through the atmosphere. That's why it's blue. That tree looks to be about 100 years old. Uh, Baskin Robbins says there's at least 31 flavors. I never met George Washington. As for babies, ask your mother. I don't, I'm just, I've gotten good at like just spitting out answers because kids are asking questions all the time. They're very, very teachable. But here's the thing. Uh, it doesn't seem to stay with us very long. That teachability, the humility that says, please let me know what I don't know. Help me, help me grow. Help me learn. What, whatever that is that kids have that, that they do so well, you and I lose it. I don't know what, at what age we lose it, but they, there has been some, uh, some um, surveys done recently. It used to be teachers a few decades ago used to complain that their students, the biggest complaint they had for their students was that they didn't live up to their potential. High school and college kids, their, their teachers said, hey, they're, they're, I know you could do better. You're just not working as hard. You're settling for a B when you could get an A. You know what the number one complaint from teachers to, about students is now? They're not teachable. The kids are so arrogant, the kids are so, so puffed up that they don't, they, they, don't, they don't want their teacher to teach them. They're literally like, I got it all. And you understand why we've got a, a device that we all carry around in our pocket or in our hand that lets us, I don't need to ask you to teach me anything. I can find the answers for myself. I can just Google it. I can just ask Siri, and, and that gives me this inflated sense that I don't need anybody. They had a, same, they had a, same, uh, a similar uh, survey, and they, they asked bosses, and it used to be the complaint from bosses for about 20 years, the complaint from bosses, the, their biggest issue with their workers was reliability. Would this guy show up on time? Will she do the work that she's supposed to? Biggest complaint now, can't teach the employees anything. They already know everything. It's like, I hired you to do a job, and I can't even explain the job because you think you already know how to do it. And then you clearly don't. <laughs> so it's like there's this, this uh, prevalence of people refusing to be humble, refusing to admit that they need to learn. Now, you, you, you may have just heard me say all that and you go, that's not my problem. <laughs> I would argue it is. You probably, you probably do this now and don't even realize how unteachable you are because it's such a part of our culture. It just becomes ingrained. You don't realize how much you have missed out on because you have just shut yourself off to learning. That person can't teach you. That person doesn't know what they're talking about. That person, oh, get real, whatever. You just, you, you got it. And if there's a way to do it, it's definitely not the way they're doing it. It's the way I would do it. And so I know better. And I could figure it out. Now, why? Why are we so bad at this? Why are we lacking so much in this area? There's a lot of reasons. I, uh, I recently read a book. I'd highly recommend it. It's called The Key to Everything. It's by a guy named Matt Keller. I met Matt. He and his wife, Kaylee, and I got to talk with him. Very sweet people. He pastors down in Florida. The guy's phenomenal. And uh, the book's really good. It's a, it's a way to call The book is literally about being teachable. Now, I've given it to a lot of people. My favorite thing is when I give it to people, and then they tell me, they're like, that's ah, kind of repetitive. And, I don't get, and I'm like, it's a book telling you about how much you don't know. And you're like, yeah, I... I got it. I'm like, okay, you're, you're definitely the person who needs it most. And it's, it's this idea, and he talks, he talks about a lot of reasons that people um, don't want to learn. But in my experience, and he hits on three of them, and I think it's the three most. I don't have time. There's probably a hundred reasons why we're unteachable. But the three that keep coming up when I'm doing counseling and when I'm talking with people, and, and whether it's in their marriage or whether it's at home or whatever, uh, the, un, the reasons that we usually pull back usually falls into one of three. And I think the first one is this, this insecurity. It's, this, it's this, uh, this idea that like it's, it's our defense mechanism. You are unteachable at times because it's how you defend yourself. If you're in here and you're young, or if you can remember when you were young, it's a long time for some of you, you, you became, I love you, I love you, it, it, it became your defense mechanism with your parents because it, you just had to let your parents know, you, 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 you don't need to tell me that, you don't need to tell me, I know, I know, I know, that was my thing when I was driving, Josh, two hands, Josh, steering wheel, Josh, I know, I know, I know, I wouldn't even let him get the sentence out because I know, I know, I know, I know that I know, but I know. 
We just, it's, it's my defense mechanism. My insecurity says I'm going to be embarrassed. And I think that insecurity and defense mechanism plays into the other reason, which is fear. Fear comes out a lot. I don't want to be seen as stupid. So at work, I got it. I don't need any help. I've got it figured out. My fear is I'll, I'll look bad. My fear is if you help me, you'll look better than me. Nobody else? A few people with me? Listen, I've been working on this for months, and it sucks. And I just really want you to feel my pain in this topic, okay? So as I look, like, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of how people might remember me or how people might perceive. I'm afraid I might not get the raise if I don't seem like I have. So we pretend like we've got it all together. I'm afraid that you might not like me as a friend if I show you that I, I need help in these areas. So I never ask for help. Anybody? I'll never ask for directions because if I show you that I don't know where I'm going, then you'll never let me be the driver or the navigator ever again. So I'll pretend that getting lost for two hours was just part of the trip. I wanted to show you the scenic route. <laughs> You're a liar, you know. It's just the way it goes, right? So, but those, those two, are, I think, are in the top three. But I think the number one reason, the number one reason that you and I are unteachable, we don't learn is pride. I really truly believe you could even sum up those other two that fall under pride. I think pride is the number one sin. Just this little caveat, I don't have time to preach a message on pride, but I think pride is the number one sin ever, all time. It's the reason that Lucifer got kicked out of heaven. It's the reason that Adam and Eve thought that they could eat whatever they wanted to eat. It's the reason that you find most of the sins happening in the Bible is this pride that says, I think, I, I think I'm good enough. I think my views, I think my belief, I think what I think is all that I need to think. I, I don't mind acknowledging that there's a God, but I definitely don't need that God telling me what's up. My pride tells me that like, I may work for this guy, but he shouldn't be my boss. I should be his boss. My pride says that although my wife has a good idea, I, I just need to be the one that's right. So I'll never acknowledge and I'll act as if though it's got to be my way or the highway. Oh yeah, I, I knew the pride one would be fun for you because nobody likes to think, None of us like to think, my biggest problem right now is me. My biggest problem is me. My pride is stopping me from learning what I need to learn. Now, you won't, you won't readily admit that. You're going to have to take a lot of time. Now, maybe you are. Maybe you're just ready. You're already broken. But I had to look in the mirror a lot, and I cut like, no, it can't be that. Because this person is doing this, and they're clearly an idiot. And this is wrong because of all these circumstances and not because of me. And God would keep showing me stuff. And I had a million excuses for why all the things that I have done wrong or that have gone wrong or that have been broken are somebody else's fault. It's everything else is somebody else's fault. I have an excuse for everything. It's not my fault. It's COVID's fault. It's not my fault. It's my boss's fault. It's not my fault. It's God's fault. But it's definitely not my fault because I'm not teachable. I can't learn. So, and by the way, if you think that all I'm, I'm, all I'm talking about in teachability is, is, is like this idea of like, oh, you know, I, I had to learn when I was young. Like, we're talking about like go through school and let a teacher teach you. Now, I'm not just talking about academics. Am I talking about your high school degree or, or your diploma or your college? I'm talking about all of your life. This idea of being teachable is prevalent everywhere and you need it everywhere. You need it in all aspects. You need it at work. You need to be able to, to hear instruction and do the job different or better. Work smarter, not harder. Some of you can't work smarter because you have no outside influence helping you. You have nobody that can speak any truth into your life. Your coworkers are afraid to come to you because of your arrogance and your ego. I know you think I'm talking about the other person in this room. I'm talking about you. Your family members can't even broach a subject with you because they know that you'll shoot them down. They know that you'll, you'll get all defensive if they try to help you. Yeah, it takes place in your relationships. If you... See, when we start to date, those of you that are, have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or want a boyfriend, we have this idea that like, yeah, I just need to look very competent in this area. So they're impressed with me. I need to look like I know what I'm doing in this. That way they like, wow, she's so smart. Wow, he's so good. Look at that. And I know all things. I'm so good. Look at this. But we, we feel like we have to carry this facade 
so that they're impressed with us. Like, date me, yes. You want to, yeah, all right. I, I don't make mistakes, you know. Try keeping that up long term. And the only way that you, you actually do try to keep that up is when you become completely unte- unteachable. Try, don't try. You don't want to be married to somebody who is unteachable. And that person doesn't want to be married to you if you're unteachable. Because now you dig your heels in and you're so stubborn. And the only way it could possibly be is your way. And you see it clearly and nobody else can see it clearly. I didn't say you're going to like me during this message. Like, it's just the way it comes out. It's just the way it is. There's, there's so many different aspects. It can be, if it's not in your work, maybe it's in your parenting. I love being around. So it's like work, it's marriage, it's relationships, parents. I love being around these new parents. And you're like, oh, yeah, you know, you might want to try this. Oh, no, I read a book and I know we're just, we're not going to, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're not going to discipline him. We're going to let him choose his bedtime and what he wants to eat. And we're going to let him make the decisions because that's how it's going to grow him. And I just go, it's going to be exciting. So excited to watch this. You are so unteachable. But we get in this idea like, I've got it and everybody else doesn't get it. So we think we got it. Just in life in general. I remember as a little kid, a uh, little boy, my, uh, my buddy, my best friends, their grandpa owned a big, big farm with lots of cows. And he had this big uh, pond in, uh, on his property that you could fish on. So my dad and their dad was like, hey, let's take the boys down. Let's go fishing. So we all go down to the pond. We're all fishing. And while we're there, we're hanging out. And there's this electric fence that runs around to keep the cows out of the pond unless he wants them to go in. And one of my buddies is like, hey, if you pee on an electric fence, it sparks. <laughs> my dad heard me, heard me hear that. And a few minutes later, I'm like, hey, I got to go. I got to go to the bathroom real quick. And my dad goes, son, that's not a good idea. And I was like, he's just, being, he's just being my dad. Doesn't want me to create sparks, probably because he doesn't want there to be a fire. But if there's a fire, I'll put it out. <laughs> I think I'm fine. I found out shortly thereafter why you don't pee on an electric fence. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just be glad that you don't know what I'm talking about. But I was too, I was too, I was, I was so, I was so um, sure of myself. I was so convinced that my dad was just trying to stop me from having fun that I was not willing to hear any other options. And so I began to think, God, is that... Is that how I am on a spiritual level? And as your pastor, as much as I want you to find this for your work and for your family and for your relationships and for your life and for your finances, some of you, you just need to, you need to be around some people that can show you better ways to manage your money, to save, some of those things. You need to be teachable in all these areas, and I want you to find that. And the Bible has a lot to say on all that. As your pastor, it's my job to, to focus on your spiritual side, on, on the spiritual growth. And so I'm going to ask you to just lean in this weekend on this, the idea of being spiritually teachable. And uh, that, like, ask yourself, if you're taking notes, put it, put it in there. Can God teach you? Can God teach me? Am I teachable? Am I teachable? And I had to put in my Bible consistently. Yeah, God can tell me something. And then I get mad and I don't go to church for a couple years. And I stop reading my Bible and I get ticked at him. And I just, because God was teaching me and I'm teachable until I'm not teachable. And then I pout. I'm teachable until you try to teach me a lesson that I don't want to believe. Then I'm not teachable. And maybe that's not your story. That was my story. But I'm asking you now, just in the quiet of this moment, can God teach you something? Would you, would you right now just say, God, I want to walk out of here different than I walked in. So as much as I am stubborn, as much as I do have pride, as much as I am afraid, for the next few minutes, I just want to be open to what you want me to see. And if it's something that I, man, it's, it's hard to see, let me just, let me, let me receive that and let me, let me take that and become more of the man, more of the woman that you've created me to be. And, and I, I, I'm going to go forward with that. But that's, that's between you and God if you're actually even going to be teachable in this in these next few minutes, but I, I challenge you to do that. And if you're sitting there wondering, like, well, how do I know if I have a teachable spirit? How do I know? I mean, maybe I'm there. Maybe I'm not as bad as you describe. I found a few that popped out in Scripture. Uh, I found this. A teachable spirit is curious 
not critical. And this was, this was a big one for me because I would say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm teachable, I'm teachable. But I was teachable to make sure I could point out all the faults. Anybody? I'm teachable in the fact that I will let you show me something so I can show you all the ways that it could be better. That I, could, I would do it different. That's not teachable. That's critiquing. You're not supposed to be critical. You're supposed to be curious. Hey, I'm here to learn. I want to I know. There's a difference. Now, you, put this in your Bible or put this on the notes. There's a difference between asking questions and questioning. Pastor Ron hit on this last week. The difference between the way Zechariah responded to the angel versus the way Mary responded to the angel. They both had questions. One was questioning God, and the other one was like, hey, how's this going to work? And there's, you're okay, it's okay to be curious. It's another thing to be critical. Check yourself, because a lot of us, like, we give ourselves a pass, like, no, God can teach me, because I'm always asking questions. Are you? Are you asking questions because you want to learn, or are you asking questions because you've got, something, you've got a point you're trying to make? Why does he think he can get away with that? That's not a question, that's a critique. What is she doing wearing that? That is not a question. <laughs> that is a critique. You're not as teachable as you say you are. Um, I also noticed that, uh, to that point, let me say this. Proverbs 9, verses 8 and 9 say this. Don't bother correcting a mocker, they will only hate you. But correct a wise person and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. See, if I correct somebody who isn't really teachable, they're just going to mock it. But if you are teachable, when you hear something that you don't want to hear, maybe this message, maybe it's something else, you, a verse you read, but if you hear something you don't want to hear and you're actually wise, you'll, you'll go, man, that's hard to take, but I'm so, much, I'm so glad that I get a chance to be wiser. I'm so glad that I get a chance to learn and not fall into that same pit again. Like, I'm so, man, I don't, I don't have to get mad. I don't have to get hurt. I don't have to get defensive. You, you pick out what your emotion is, but when you hear something you don't want to hear, how often do you respond in joy like a wise person? And how often do you mock it or get bitter or get angry or get frustrated? See, a, a, a teachable spirit is curious. It's not critical. But it's also, a teachable spirit is also one that loves any lesson. Any. Any lesson. This is different because I think we sometimes, we say that we're willing to learn, but we're only willing to learn what we want to learn. Teach me how to make more money. I'll be teachable. Teach me how to make everybody like me. I, I'm, I'm all ears. Teach me to be humble. I'll forget you. Teach me how to serve, and I don't want to do that. See, like we go to the Bible and we say, God, teach me how to fix my marriage. I need that person to love me more. Well, the Bible also teaches you how to love your neighbor and love your enemies. Wow. See, we want to pick and choose, and we say, now we're teachable. We're not teachable. You don't get to pick and choose what, when, when you're going to be uh, available for input. That's not a teachable spirit. That's not what God's called you to do. Are you willing to learn only what you want to learn? You guys remember Karate Kid? Am I dating myself with that one too much? Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi's like, hey, Daniel's son, wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Paint, Daniel's son. Paint down, paint down, paint down, paint down. He had to paint just the way Mr. Miyagi wanted to paint. Paints the whole stupid fence like this. At the end, he's like, that's it. I came to learn karate. You didn't teach me anything, old man. And then Mr. Miyagi's like, he like starts throwing punches at him. He's like, wah, wah. He's like, what that? He's like, whoa. He's like, it's, it's, it's a funny movie, just honestly, just watching him. But he like all of a sudden knows karate because he like waxed like 100 cars and like painted a giant fence. But that was the whole point. He didn't think he was learning, and so he was done. He didn't want, he didn't want anymore because he didn't, he didn't get to learn what he wanted to learn. And I think Mr. Miyagi taught Daniel's son something that you and I can uh, learn from is that we may be right where God wants us to be to teach us something, and we just don't understand the lesson yet. Like, you might be going through something right now, and God's actually got a really big lesson for you, but you're like, God, why don't you just, God, why don't you teach me how to be a multimillionaire, and I'll deal with that. Give me that lesson. Don't give me the, my car broke down on the way to work lesson. I don't want that lesson. I want that lesson. But God might be having you right where he wants you to teach you what it, what it is you need for this season. 
But that's where you have to ask, am I, do I have the kind of teachable spirit that can hear anything? Proverbs 12, verse number one. I love the way the Bible's, sometimes the Bible's almost too pinpoint accurate, if there could be such a thing. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. If you can hear the instruction, do this and do this, and you can receive it, not grumpily, not like, nah, just going, yes, then you're somebody who actually loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. I didn't, I didn't add that. I didn't like paraphrase that. That's what it says. If you hate correction, I don't want to hear this. You're stupid. God's just trying to put it right out there for you. Just however you want to slice it. If that's how you are, if you push away from being teachable, you're a stupid person. Don't stay stupid. Just become somebody who loves instruction. Unless you like being stupid. And then in which case, stay a person who doesn't love instruction, who hates correction. Very simple method there. The last one would be a teachable spirit sees instruction where others see inconvenience. A teachable spirit sees instructions where other people see inconvenience. See, this is the thing. There's an opportunity to learn from everybody. So a little sub note I put on my Bible under this is, am I willing to learn from anyone? Am I willing to learn from anyone? Or does that person have to be smarter than me, richer than me? Do they have to have a bigger business than I have? Do they have to have more degrees than I have? Do they have to be older? Do they have to have what? Do you put a criteria on who you can learn from? This is why I think it's so cool that all of these men are standing around Jesus going, hey, which one of us is the greatest? Which one of us is the greatest? He brings out this little girl and he says, hey, they're greater than you are. And then that moment, all of his disciples had to stare at that little child and go, am I willing to learn in this moment? Am I willing to learn from him or her? Can I receive this, or does this hurt my pride too much? If you're the boss, can you learn from the janitor? If you're the parent, can you learn from the kid? If you're really rich, can you learn something from the beggar? Fill in the blank. Do you look down your nose at opportunities? And maybe it's not just people. It says it's a teachable spirit, somebody that would receive, that sees the, those instructions and not those inconveniences it may be like i said earlier you're going through a rough time right now and all you see is the inconvenience of the rough time and god's like if you would just tilt your attitude towards teachability all of this frustration you have becomes instruction all of your anger gets turned to joy that you're like god is giving me a blueprint how not to fall into this crap next time god is showing me as much as I didn't enjoy it, he's showing me how I don't have to be a victim to that same thing again. So I don't care if we're talking about heartache. I don't care if we're talking about bankruptcy. Whatever it may be, it sucks and it's tough and it, you're mad at God. But it may be the, the very opportunity he's given you to learn and grow from it. And if you say, I'm done, now I'm done. Well, <coughs> excuse me, you miss out. Albert Einstein said that intellectual growth should commence at birth and cease only at death. He's also the same one that said, once you stop learning, you start dying. That's the smartest guy, arguably one of the smartest people ever to live. He said, you should always be learning. If you think you've arrived, recognize that's a huge sign that you have a lot more to learn. So what does that look like for me? What, 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 why? Why should I give in to any of this, Pastor Josh? If I, if I believe you that I'm supposed to be teachable, but... I've gotten this far. I'm fill in the blank years old. I think I can just do the rest of my life without being teachable. And I don't need God to show me things. What, what would it do for me? Let me give you three examples of how it changed people, how it, how it can change you, how it can change your future. First off, I would say this. Your teachability determines your potential. Your potential is going to be directly linked to your teachability. There's a passage in the Bible where God goes to his prophet, Jeremiah, and he goes, hey, I want you to go down to the potter's workshop. I want to show you something. Jeremiah in chapter 18, verse 3, he says, so I did as the Lord told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again, and he started over. And then the Lord gave me this message, O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to the clay? As the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. Now, what was the issue the potter had? The potter had the, his, was sculpting the clay, and the clay didn't turn out the way that the potter wanted. 
God has got a plan for your life, and you and I have the free will to say yes to God or to do our own thing. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I do my thing instead of God's thing. And what, what I need to do is I need to be teachable. In this case, the clay is malleable. It's flexible. It's able to be reshaped. Since I'm not talking about you actually like losing all the bones in your body and being malleable. I'm talking about it on, on a spiritual level. Your malleability is your teachability. Can God take you and say, no, I want to I wanna reform you. This is not who I've called you to be. You're living in fear, and I've called you to be brave. You're living in bitterness, and I've called you to live in forgiveness. You're a cynical person, and I called you to be hopeful. Is he able to teach you new things, or have you become crusty and rigid and all hard? Have you become one of those people like, no, I'm not doing it. The Bible refers, it's staying with that potter analogy. It says in, in Isaiah 29, verse 16, how foolish can you be? He is the potter. He's certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say to the one who made it, you didn't make me. Does a jar ever get to say to the potter, oh, he's stupid? The, the, the way that it would look like if a potter formed a cup and the cup talked back. How stupid that would be is how stupid you and I are daily. Some of us right now, I, I, this was true of my life. I'm, I, by, by God's grace, I'm not there. But I used to be where I believe some of you are. Thumbing your nose at God as if though he doesn't know the best plan for you. Like a cup telling the potter, I, I've got a better idea. You don't know what's up. You are unteachable. You become so hard and so stuck in, in what you think is right that the, the potter doesn't get to mold you into, into being something better. You're going to be stuck in your cynicism. You're going to be stuck in your depression. You're going to be stuck in your anger. You're going to be stuck jealous of all the things that are going on. I don't know, fill in the blank. That's not God's best for you. He hasn't designed you for that. So if that's where you're at, know that that's not what he wants for you. Become teachable, become clay in the potter's hands, and let him turn you into the man or the woman that he wants you to be that is going to be so much better than what anything that you could imagine for yourself. The Bible says if you want good for you, he wants better. He can do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could ask or think. This is the God that we live. Make some noise because you can be a malleable piece of clay in the potter's hands if you choose to be teachable. Your teachability also not, not only determines your potential, it also determines your progress. Your progress is directly linked to your teachability. There's a story of a king who had a son. The king was great and mighty and did a lot of awesome things. His name was Solomon. But then he had a son named Rehoboam. And when Rehoboam, when Solomon dies, Rehoboam becomes, goes from being a prince to being the king. And he gathers all the people at his coronation. All the people show up and the elders show up and they say, hey, your dad was awesome. But there at the end, he was really taxing us a lot to get this stuff built. Are you going to keep that up or are you going to give us a break? We can't afford this anymore. And so he's like, man, I don't know what to do. It says in 1 Kings 12, verse 6. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father, Solomon. Hey, what's your advice, he asked. How should I answer the people? The older counselors replied, if you're willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, if you're willing to humble yourself and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men, and instead he went and asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him. He asked his buddies... <clears throat> he asked his stupid friends what they thought he should do, and their lives are also stupid. And so he did what stupid people said he should do and made a stupid mistake. Fill in your name here. <laughs> See, your teachability determines your progress. He had a chance to let those people, those older, wiser counselors, give him some good advice, but... He said no in the next, you can go read the rest of it for yourself. He tells those people no because his buddies say no. Tell them no. Tell them you're going to be harder if they don't respect you. Yeah, let's scare them. Let's, let's be tough. Let's show them how tough we are. So he puts on this big machismo like, I'm, like, I'm going to be the toughest king. You better, be, you better watch out for me. And they all said, peace, then you're not our king. And he lost 10 out of the 12 tribes. No longer called him king and went away. Like he ruined his kingdom at the very beginning. Because he wasn't teachable. Your progress is tied to your teachability. 
not just in your business, and I pray that your business, or if you've got a side hustle or whatever, I pray that that's, that, that, that's, that's great and that grows, but it, your progress could, might be where you're growing in, in your walk with God. It might be where you're growing as a, as a parent. It might be where your friendships, what, whatever it is, whatever progress God has for you to make, you're going to really stifle it if you're not teachable. Proverbs 15.22 says, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Now, those advisors are wise counsel not stupid people. Listen, I know you grew up with them. They're your friend from second grade, but their life is a mess. And when you ask them for advice on your life, and they're like, yeah, I think you should do this. Do the opposite. Do not take advice from dumb people. Get wise people that can pour into you some, wise, some really wise pieces of, of information, some give you some good counsel, good direction. Lastly, though, your, de your teachability determines your proximity. It determines your potential, it determines your progress, and it determines your proximity. And let me explain to you what I mean by your teachability determines your proximity. Samuel was a, a great prophet, very wise prophet. When he was a young boy, there's a passage where he says, God, I'm here. What do you have for me? And he surrenders his life to becoming the man of God. And he becomes this great prophet that follows God. And God does amazing things through him. But then uh, as he gets older, the people don't want a prophet. They want a king. And so the people elect a guy named Saul to be their king. And Saul doesn't really follow God the way he's supposed to. And so God tells Samuel, hey, I want to I make a new king. I want to anoint a new king. Get your oil. Where I'm going to send you down. I'm going to send you to anoint somebody. And we use this verse a lot because there's some really cool stuff to it. But I want you to see, see something that God sh showed me different here. Samuel, the prophet, old man at this point, he's getting ready to die. He goes in to anoint the new king. He goes in to, 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 to see, God tells him to go to this house, this guy named Jesse. He goes, one of Jesse's sons is going to be your next king. Uh, go anoint him. And so he shows up, and Jesse brings in his oldest son. And it says this in 1 Samuel 16, 6. When, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. That's the oldest son of Jesse. He goes, surely this is the Lord's anointed. This dude's tall strong, strapping. He looks like he was written for the part. He looks like a super book here, a super comic, comic book hero come to life. Like this is the guy that needs to be the next king. This guy is it. And then the, the, very, the verse that we like to use, it says, the Lord said to Samuel in the next verse, don't judge by his appearance or his height. I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is a really cool verse because it shows us what God cares about. God focuses on your heart and that's that's really the big takeaway but you know what else it shows there is that samuel in his old age still had to be teachable this guy's been doing this a long time and he i mean i mean this isn't the first time he's had to anoint somebody with oil he's been doing it and listen god says go do it and he's like this guy should be the king and now god goes samuel i don't care how old you are i don't care how much you think you've been through how much you think you know I'm doing something different. Don't look the way everybody else looks. And in that moment, Samuel got to pick if he was going to be teachable or if he's going to be stubborn. His willingness to allow God to change the way he looks at the world allowed Samuel to continue going on being the man of God. His closeness with God, his walk with God, his proximity to God was dictated by his ability to be teachable even in that small moment. Now, if you hear that and you're like, if I'm not teachable, God throws me away. No, no, no. I'm saying when you're not teachable, you walk away from God's best. It's not God saying, get away from me. You're stupid now. No, when you and I are like, no, we got blinders. I know everything and I'm not teachable. We are taking a path of ego. We're taking a path of pride. And that path leads us away from God. So our proximity to God is not that God loves us less or God loves these people more. It's that in our stubbornness or you fill in the blank, your, un, your inability to be teachable, you actually take yourself away from God. Your proximity is affected by your, your walk with God, by your teachability. Well, if I tell God that, isn't that going to be awkward? If I, if I admit to God that I don't know something, he already knows that you don't know. I don't know why we're so embarrassed to go to admit to God that we're dumb. It's not like he's like, you are? I'm so surprised. 
He's like, yeah, I've watched you your whole life. I know you're dumb. Like, like I'm just glad that you're finally able to admit it. Now, some of you are looking at me like, no, I ain't admitting it. Okay. The only person you're fooling is yourself. It's not like God's like up there like, oh, okay, maybe she's right. Maybe he's there. No. See, here's the thing. This is what Psalms 51 says. The sacrifice that you desire, this, the, the psalmist is writing to God, the sacrifice, God, you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. See, when you get to the place where you're humbled like a child, I don't know. I don't know. Why is it this way? Why does it look like that? Why is, when you get to that, God, I don't know what's happening. And you just, you just, you just own the fact that you don't know and that you need him to teach you. The same way a kid needs somebody to tie their shoes and tell them what to eat. Not, when you get to that kind of humility, you're like, God, whatever you got for me, I'm not going to argue. I'm just, I'm ready to receive it. He loves that broken spirit, that contrite heart that says, I'm not the master of the universe. You are. And when you get to the point where you can admit, God, I shouldn't be the God of my life, now you're ready to be worked on. Now you're becoming malleable. Now you're somebody who's teachable. And God's like, sweet, I'm so glad you finally got here. Took you a couple of decades. <laughs> See, 1 Peter 5.5, 5, Peter says this to some of the, the church guys there. He says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. It doesn't matter who's older and who's smarter and who's been a believer longer. If you're in the body of Christ, we're all dumpster fires, pastor included. None of us get to look down our nose on anybody else. That's why churches suck. It's because they're filled with hypocrites who act like they've never done anything wrong. We're all jacked up, I mean, sinners. And by God's grace, he forgives us. And so we clothe ourselves in humility. And it doesn't matter if you've been going to church for one day or a hundred years. God loves us the same and we can all learn from each other. We don't become that kind of church. There you go. He says, do that and how you relate to each other. Why? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. His grace flows out when you're willing to say, yeah, I'm, I don't know what I thought I knew. I'm, I'm kind of dumb. He's like, yeah, now I've got some grace for that person. Well, pastor, what if I don't get all this? You, you've been talking about this, and, and man, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if this is for me. I don't know. I don't, I don't quite get it. I don't get the whole God thing. I don't get the whole connection there. 1 Corinthians 2 verses 13 and 14 might give you your reason why it says this when we tell you these things we do not use words that come from human wisdom instead we speak words given to us by the spirit using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from god's spirit it all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So if you're sitting there going, I need the spirit of teachability, but I do not feel like God and I are on the same page, it may be that you do not have God living inside of you. See, not everybody is a believer. Not everybody is, a, is, is saved. That is a decision that you get to make. That is a decision that only you can make. Nobody can make it for you. Salvation to have a connection with God, to be filled with the Holy Spirit comes when you're willing to accept that Jesus Christ, who was perfect, died for you, who is not perfect. The one who never sinned died for you because you are a sinner. I am a sinner. When I believe that and then accept that as my only way, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father except through me. When I accept that Jesus is the only way, not the best way, the only way for me to have a home in heaven, for me to have forgiveness of my sins. When I accept that, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of me. When I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, now I can begin to understand what Pastor Josh is talking about through these verses. But if you're sitting here and you're hearing me say this, or if you're listening, or if you're watching and you're going, this doesn't seem to ring true for me. It may, not, it may be that this doesn't make sense because there's no spirit inside of you helping you catalog where you need to be teachable and where these truths are begin, going to begin to, to come out because it's your faith that we're trying to grow. And if you don't, haven't placed your faith in Jesus, you don't have a starting spot. 
So there's only two kinds of people in here. We're, we're, we're all sinners. You're either a sinner in need of salvation or you're a sinner who has experienced salvation. If you've experienced salvation from God, then you should be leaning into the Holy Spirit pulling on you saying, I want you to be teachable. I want you to learn more tomorrow. I want you to be the kind of humble that inspires other people. I want you to be the kind of humble where God looks and goes, yeah, that's a piece of clay that I can turn into something awesome. He's ready. She's ready. I've got something big for them. That, that comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of you and leading you. So start there. If you don't have Jesus Christ, start by inviting him into your life. Let him sit in the driver's seat and call the shots. Let him be the only way that you find forgiveness and find what, what it means to not only be forgiven, but to have a Lord, to have a Savior, to have something bigger at play. Have, have some hope for eternity. And if you've experienced that, if you're listening to me right now and you say, that's me, I've got the Holy Spirit, I've got a relationship with God, then how much can God teach you? Where do I start, Pastor Josh? Where do I start this, this, this teachable journey? The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's breathed out by God. Not everything that Pastor Josh says. Don't hang your life and build your life on what Pastor Josh says or what some other famous guy or book says or friend of yours or whatever. Base it on the scripture that's inspired. Why? It's because this book, it's useful to teach us. It teaches us what's true. It makes us realize what's wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong. And then it teaches us what to do to do right. That's what God will use, the next verse says, to prepare you and equip you for every good thing he's got for you. He'll use his word. So where do I start being teachable? I read three passages from Proverbs in this message. Go to Proverbs. There are 31 Proverbs. That's enough Proverbs to have one chapter of Proverbs every day of the month. Just start there. The verses are like little fortune cookies. They're just like little bite-sized nuggets. And you're like, I'll take one of those, put it in my pocket, I'll pull it out later on. Just read a Proverbs a day. And if you can't read a Proverbs a day, read one Proverbs verse a day. Start somewhere. Let the words, the inspired word of God, get a hold of you. I don't know. You got to start somewhere. I'm going to invite you to do something a little bit different. I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would, with me. If you're listening to this on the podcast, probably driving your car or whatever, you don't have to stand, obviously, but <laughs> wherever you're at, I'd invite you to, to do this. I, and I was thinking through, God, what is the posture of being open-minded? What does that look like? That's kind of hard to take a posture of being open-minded. So I'm going to ask you to do what we did at the very beginning. I'm going to ask you to be open-handed. And I'm going to ask you to, to go to a place. If you're sitting there going, I just don't know what to do. I don't even know how to make myself teachable. I love what James says. If anybody lacks wisdom, then ask. Ask who? Ask a generous God who will give it to you, and he won't make you feel bad for asking. You can just admit, I'm not smart enough. God, make me smarter. And it says that he will do that. If anyone lacks, uh, lacks wisdom, let him ask. I love that. That should be every single one of us. But we have to get to a place where we're open-minded, where we're willing for God to show us something. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you want to, you don't have to. But to mimic that posture, to, de uh, to demonstrate that posture, would you put your hands out in front of you and then open them up and let that be a symbol, a gesture, a, a sign that you're willing to let God show you something that he hasn't been able to show you so far. And as I'm talking out loud, why don't you begin to have a conversation quietly right, right, right where you're standing between you and God. God, I need to learn something. God, I need to see more of you. God, show me something in my marriage. Show me something in my family. God, show me, teach me something at work. Teach me how to be a better friend. God, show me where I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on your best. God, teach me how to let go of my anger. God, teach me how to, how to find something better than this addiction. God, show me where I can grow. God, show me how I can love more. God, teach me. Ask. He says, ask. Ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not, the Bible says. 
So instead of asking for all the selfish things, say, God, I just, I need you. I need that wisdom that you promised. And I know that you've shown me in this message and throughout, the wor- throughout your word, God, I know that you're showing me that I can find that wisdom at your feet if I'll be teachable. So as I pray out loud, would you just lift up your own prayer quietly right where you're at, just between you and God, and ask him how he wants to grow you. Ask him how, how he wants to teach you. Ask him to help you let go of that pride, let go of that fear, that insecurity. Let somebody this week teach you that you never thought possible. Let somebody teach you something because God wants more for you. As I pray, you pray. Maybe start with salvation if that's you. If you've never invited him in, start there. Get the Holy Spirit. And then let's grow from there. As I pray, you pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to learn what it is you're having us to learn. God, thank you for showing us how we could be closer to you. God, thank you for showing us that we're, we're limited in, in our progress and in our potential and in our, our proximity only because of our teachability. So God, in this moment, would you hear the prayers of your creation? Would you hear the prayers of the, the men and women right now that are, are asking you, the boys and girls, God, the, the, the children of God that are asking for your help, for your wisdom, God, hear us. Lord, I pray for the person right now under the sound of my voice that's, that's in need of you as a savior. I pray that they would have the strength and the courage to invite you in as their Lord and Savior right now, that they would open up their heart and let you be the one that calls the shots for their life. God, would you help each and every one of us walk out of here different than how we walked in, that we would walk out of here being teachable, able to receive God, forgive us. Forgive me of the times that our pride, our ego, our fear has gotten in the way of what it is you're trying to to show us, trying to grow us. God, we love you. We need more of you. God, I ask that you would hear our prayers, that you would look at our hearts, that you would see the ones that are truly repentant, that you would see those of us that truly need more wisdom, need to grow, God, I pray that you would give it to us this week. Give it to us in new ways, surprising ways, encouraging ways, small little ways, big ways. God, just help us learn, help us grow. We ask this, we beg this, but we also claim it because you said you would do it. And we claim it all in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.